everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Why the F I Am an Artist. I'm your host, Amanda Ortega. I hope you all are staying safe and staying home. If you are in the state of Georgia like I am, please don't listen to Kemp and stay in your house, please. I shouted out last week about Nick Cordero. He is a performer and he has been hit severely by COVID-19. His wife, Amanda Klutz, does this beautiful tribute to him and his music every single day in hopes that he will wake up from his coma. She plays his song called Live Your Life, and I will be playing a clip right now for you all. That was Nick Cordero's Live Your Life. You can follow Amanda Klutz at Amanda Klutz on Instagram so you can see all the updates of Nick Cordero and his health. So best wishes to them. And I don't want to hold off this episode any longer. So I hope you all enjoy my interview with Jonathan Vargas. Hi, everyone. This is Amanda, and I'm so excited to have my friend Jonathan Vargas on. It was a bit of a challenge because this is our second round at doing the interviews before we had some technical difficulties, but now we are all good. So welcome, Jonathan. Woohoo! I know. Finally. Thank God. Like <laughs> I was like, yo, what's going on with this stuff right now, man? But thankfully, I'm here. We're here, and I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of the show because I really like this show, and I think you're doing a good job with it and I am honored for you to invite me. Oh, thank you. Honestly, I credit a lot of my experience within films, thankfully to you. Could you actually let all the listeners know exactly what your titles are within the arts world? Like to say that I'm a filmmaker, but the thing is, especially nowadays when you're in the independent scene, you have to wear more than just one hat. So I am not just a director, but a writer editor, producer, and at times my own DP and before was an actor. But I will say the the one part that I like the most is just directing. That's like my main thing. But now in the indies, you practically have to know more than just one skill. That is true. And I think that reigns true for every artist out there. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I think it's also a blessing too, when you know more than one skill, because it just shows your value especially with a client, oh, yeah. then it's like, oh, you can do this? Excellent. I got a job for you. So like, especially when you're in the indies and you're freelancing, it just shows that, okay, I can do more than just one job and I can make a little bit of income and also network with various clients and, you know, just keep my name out there. For sure. And talking about networking, that's actually how you and I met through social media. And then we met for the first time ever at the Florida Hampton table. And it was at the diner 84 on state road 84 in Davie, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And it was an artist meetup group. And that's how I actually first met you. Yeah. That was the first time we met. (laughs) And I remember Mm -hmm. like, you know, again, I remember this, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I remember um, when I first met you, Cause you like you were telling me like oh I thought you were kind of like a dick but then like, when you got to know me it was like oh he's cool. <laughs> I totally did say that because you were wearing sunglasses indoors. And <laughs> sorry if you are <laughs> an individual who is listening who wears sunglasses indoors, but to me you are a douche when you do that. 
Unless you have a migraine, I understand. <laughs> I yeah, God, that was I was like 25 at that time, and I still was just kind of like having like an identity crisis. Like I was thinking, like, well, if I wear sunglasses, like I'll stand out and I'll be like that artist. I remember that I made a bad impression, but I appreciated that because from that point on, like. I never wore sunglasses at like meetings. And I also found out like, you know, when you do that, especially at a meeting, not only do you come across as a dick, but people don't have a lot of respect for you. They kind of look at you as like, ah, this guy is not something to be taken serious. I think also you express a lot of emotions through your eyes. And if you're covering your eyes up while you're in a meeting, I feel it also takes away from the connection that you're making with people around you. For anyone out there, a network environment is really for you to go out there and connect with others. And if you have this attitude and sunglasses on indoors, people are not going to want to approach you as much. It, it also helps you in the long run. <laughs> it did. No, I, I think a lot of your honesty kind of helped me out, too, because it was like there were certain things that I was doing and you would kind of like pull me to the side and be like, John, I love you, but you can't be doing that. And I always appreciated that honesty because I knew that you were just looking out for me. It's like, look, someone's got to at least point out to him like, OK, dude, you need to stop. You know, and I know I had those moments, especially when we were filming. I always appreciated that. It's funny because you said that you learned a lot from me. I learned a lot from you as well on how to be a better person and how to present myself mm -hmm. to people as well. well thank you. I think it's an important trait and an important responsibility to oneself to understand, oh, okay, I do this a certain way. It rubs people the wrong way. Maybe I should tone it down a little. I've learned that when I was in theater, I was taking notes from directors and I would say, okay. And the director came up to me one day saying, are you taking my notes the wrong way? Because you come off as having an attitude. And that was not my intention at all. So I also learned that while I was getting my degree, I was really learning how to speak to individuals and how to talk to someone in a way that doesn't insult, but is constructive to helping them and grow. Nice, nice, nice. So yeah, like the, the first time we met was, it was awkward, but we went on to make a, a crap load of projects in that time. I remember that. We did. So talking about your projects, we, we went from meeting each other at a networking event. And then flash forward, we were doing a project together where I was a PA slash producer for a film called fight within and you're an extra. And that's how we got to know each other even more. And you were telling me about a project that you were doing called Angie's revenge based off yeah, based off of a film, George and Angie. And then you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this short film for a festival. And I offered if you needed any help that I could definitely be hands on deck because I was literally trying to learn all of the ins and outs of film. And you go, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then fast forward to that day of filming. God, I love I, I love telling that story because everyone is like, how did Gabby's Revenge come along? I'm like, well, it was supposed to be Angie's Revenge, but then the lead actress couldn't come for some family stuff. And then I was like, and mind you, this was an hour before you were supposed to show up. So I called you I and I said, hey, Amanda, how are you? Are you still coming? You're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I need your help. 
instead of being a PA, you're the lead actress. And you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. You don't have that much dialogue. You're just basically killing people. And you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I remember like at the time, I think you were teaching acting to little kids and you were just like, oh my, you were just like, oh my God, I, I hope this doesn't get out there or, you know, take it easy with the violence because I'm teaching little kids and I don't want to give it the wrong idea. Yeah, don't worry about it. And then what do you know, when we did that little teaser, whatever, it was like, it was pretty violent and you were just like, oh God. It was really cool though, because that was really my first time getting to act on, on film and it being a, a major role for me. What made you create a full web series of Gabby's revenge because anyone who's listening out there, there is a full web series that Jonathan Vargas created with his production company called Cinefreak Productions. And you decided let's make this a full web series. And you even made the the project sag, which is incredible. So what happened at the time I had just done uh, George and Angie. It's an old project. It was a romantic comedy like a dramedy that i did it was a short film it was about a guy who's had who just got got involved in a breakup and he goes to a party and he was invited by his friend and they're like basically just trying to have a good time and he sees a girl named angie getting made fun of at the party so he tries to comfort her they click and at the end of the film like basically everyone that was making fun of her they do it again and then like he literally like jumps in and just tries to defend her and be like, yo, shut up, like stop making fun of her. And I love her. I remember when I dropped that, when I, re- when I released it and I made it public, it didn't get a good response. Like people were just like, oh, this is stupid. It's whack. And what really hurt the most is that I actually submitted it to a bunch of film festivals and not one film festival took it. I was so bummed out by that project because before then I was working on a lot of horror and crime dramas. But I wanted to do something different. But at that time, I was very, very green. I still, well, then again, I still don't know much because I feel like in this business, like you're always learning. You'll never be a master. You'll always be a lifetime student. So at that time, I just wasn't ready to do something like that. And, at, and also, that was the biggest project that I had ever tackled. So I had a lot of pressure under me because it was the biggest cast, the biggest crew. And that was, the f- that was my first ever SAG project, too. And, th- th- you know, I had a lot of pressure under me. So I got really fed up and I, didn't, and I hated the response. And mind you, that was at a time when I was really, really emotional. To the point where I just didn't know how to like, you know, hide my emotions or man up about it. I was like, you know what, let me just go back and do what I wanted to do. But I wanted to do something longer because I felt that short films are great, but I wanted to tell like a really long narrative. And I felt that with the budget that I had, I felt like, why don't I just do a a web series? So that's where we came with the idea of Gabby's Revenge. But I wanted to do like a continuation of George and Angie, like, cause I was very inspired by Kevin Smith films. Kevin Smith is the director of like clerks and Jay and Silent Bob. And, but in his old movies, the ones from the nineties, all his movies were connected amongst one another. The characters all lived in the same setting and everything. So I wanted to do something like that with George and Angie and Gabby's revenge, where both films and both stories were connected amongst each other. And that's how Gabby's revenge really came about. So you wanted to make it a web series to do an homage to 
a fellow director that you admire. Is that why you decided to do it? Or was there another reason why you decided to make it a web series? Another reason why was because I wanted to do a longer project. I wanted to do, I didn't want to do mm-hmm. a 10 minute or 15 minute short film. I wanted to do like an episodic type of thing. I wanted to do a project that was longer than like 50 minutes or like at least like an hour, just, just short little episodes and then just combine them into one. Because I, I felt like for me, like I, I always wanted to do longer projects. That was the main reason why I did Gabby's Revenge. Just so try to get my feet wet into creating longer narrative projects. Because up until that point, the longest project I did was like a 15 minute short film. And I mean, you know, you can tell a great story within 15 minutes, but if you have, you know, a bit, something a bit longer, you can do more with it and add more characters to it and even flesh out the story and the characters all amongst themselves. So that was the main reason I wanted to, this was a challenge for me. Like the, the main challenge was to do something where I can expand and grow as a filmmaker and a storyteller, but see if I could do it in a web series type of style. So that was another reason too. It really came to be an amazing project and I'm so grateful for it because it made me learn so much as an actress because I never had the opportunity opportunity to do so much film work until meeting you. And what I admire is that you you went to school for for becoming a filmmaker, yes. correct? Yes. Where did you go to I school? I went to the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. Have you always wanted to be an artist of creating films and being a writer and director at first yes but when i like i always wanted to be a filmmaker as a kid because it started with godzilla films i was very very influenced by godzilla films because i grew up watching those films and i was so fascinated by how they were able to make these films with what little they had i mean yeah it's a guy in a suit but as a kid i thought that that shit was real and as I got older, I, I got fascinated by it. And then I, I remember at 12, I was introduced to Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese movies. And I was like, yo, I want to be a film director. But when high school came around, I got really into music <laughs> and I wanted to be a rapper. But I, and I realized that that was not going to go anywhere. So I went back into filmmaking, but I took it a lot more serious in my 20s with filmmaking because I knew that, okay, this I can actually make a career out of. Yeah. So that, so it started young. I took a break when I was a teenager, but once I started, once I started college, I'm like, nah, man, this, this has to be, it's either this or that's it. I'm not doing anything. Like I have to do this. This is actually my, as I like to call it, my addiction. Like I'm addicted to this and film now is not just whatever to me. Now it's my way of life. This is what makes my life like this is why I have a purpose in life, because I have stories to tell and I want to bring my stories to life. And really, I just want to just entertain the world with what I have to bring. And that's why I created this podcast is to tell stories like that, how you have been inspired when you were a young child by watching Godzilla films to now creating your own work and telling your own stories. And that's beautiful. That's a great thing. And your inspirations were Quentin Tarantino, which I can fully see within your, your line of, of, of film work that you do. I, you've had had quirky bits here and there with 
uh, flying to <laughs> Disney World and Sam and Roxy. But definitely you are into that, that gangster, like guns out kind of film. And is that what you always envisioned yourself doing? That kind no. of film work? No, no. I thought I was going to be making sci-fi movies. Yeah, because I, really? I was I was really into sci-fi films, especially like giant monster movies and aliens and stuff like that when I was young. But then, and this goes back to the rap stuff. Like when I re, like the thing was when I started in high school, what I had to do was I basically had to hang out with the wrong crowd in order to survive. Because I listen, I'm not ashamed okay. to admit I'm a very awkward, weird person, and I knew in order to like survive in high school. I was going to have to like, you know, go with the flow and just, you know, become really obsessive with rap music and just hang out with the wrong crowd in order to make sure I didn't get messed around in high school. And I was introduced to a lot of stuff, it, which is why, like, I'm big on the gangster stuff, because, like, I saw that life in high school. I knew a lot of guys that were doing a lot of that stuff, and it fascinated me. And I felt like, wow, these are stories that I would like to see or I could tell that would come to life. And I was very influenced to, to that gangster life. And I felt like, okay, I'll never be one, but I know I could tell good stories about it, especially the stories that I, I've seen firsthand with the guys that I knew back in high school. And where did you I go to high to school? I went to Charles W. Flanagan High School. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went to that one. I was there for four years. And from what I heard now, it's like mm-hmm. bad. But like back in those days, it was like really bad. Like you had gangs all throughout the school. But when I was growing up, like, my mom was very protective of me. So like she tried to shield me from the world. But then when I went to school, like when I really went to high school at that time, like I saw like another different life that I had never seen or experienced. Like that's why I was just like, well, okay, it's legit out here. And that experience has really inspired you to create the film that you are doing today. Yeah. Like just from that experience, I was fascinated by that life. And I was like, I want to, I would like to tell more. And, and, and another reason why I like doing the gangster movies, because nowadays nobody's doing those movies. If you really think about it, like, and, you know, and I hate to say this and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I feel like the gangster genre is somewhat dead. You don't see a lot of gangster movies nowadays. You see action films and superhero films, but you don't see those gritty crime dramas like Goodfellas and Scarface. I want to be, I, I want to be like one of those directors that continues to tell those type of films. Because I think that there is a place for films like that because people are fascinated with gangsters. And I think that, you know, if it's done right, I think that they can be successful. I know that on television, there's some great focus on that life, but I don't see a lot of movies. That's what I want to do. I want to be someone that's like, okay, that I, I can be like a Martin Scorsese or a Quentin Tarantino where I can make my generation's Goodfellas or Pulp Fiction or something to that effect or even my own film. Yeah, That's but awesome. like as I get older now, now that I'm maturing a little bit more, like in you know in my early days, I literally was just like borrowing from my 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 idols of, of filmmaking. I'm at the point right now where it's like, like I gotta find my own sound. I gotta I gotta stand out amongst everybody else because if I keep continuing to emulate their styles, people are gonna see me as just that. Like now, my goal is to be part of my French Jonathan fucking Vargas. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think within this world of being a creator, you can definitely get inspiration and influence from others who have definitely paved a very influential path within the filmmaking world. 
but put a twist on it and put your own name, put the Jonathan Vargas stamp. Yeah, and, and I think um, even though this was a project that we didn't do together, um, I did a project two years uh, project? side effects, side effects, which was like a gangster comedy. And it, it has a lot of the stuff that I did in, Ga- in Gabby's revenge, but it, it has a more comedic twist to it. And it's a style that now like a lot of people liked, and I kind of want to continue in that stuff. Yeah. And I was actually going to ask you about that because that was a short film that you created. And if anyone hasn't seen side effects, it is, what kind of film would you categorize it at? No, just comedy. I was going to say horror comedy, but I feel like, but because again, like, and I'll tell you why I was going to say horror comedies, because we actually submitted uh, side effects to a film festival. This is the first film festival that we did it to. And we won best short film in the horror section, in the horror genre. And I was like, I was like, yeah. awesome. and I'm like, is it really a horror film? <laughs> uh, I know that whenever we submitted it to like a bunch of film festivals, they would always put it in the horror comedy genre. Could you let the listeners know um, what side effects yes. it is about so they can better understand why it would be considered possibly so a horror side film? side effects is about these two mates, Kevin and Scott. Kevin is a drug dealer. And Scott is his roommate. He's basically the straight man. And Kevin is basically the comic relief. And so Kevin was making a deal with his local gang boss, his local dealer, which is a little girl named little Stephanie, who is about five foot three and obsessed with Sailor Moon. He was selling her the entire Sailor Moon collection. The problem was the set that he sold her was basically the porn version. So now she wants vengeance. Uh. She wants her money back and everything. So he gives him some time to get the money. So he comes up with this idea. Uh, their next door neighbor, who happens to be a crazy scientist, who created her name is Crazy Linda, who is basically a drug dealer on the side as well. She created a drug called the A to the Z, which is like the hottest drug on the streets. And the reason why it's called A to the Z is because it's 26 drugs mixed into one. So she gives him the drug to help him out so he can make, so they could do this drug deal that's worth like five grand. So they both do the drug deal and everything goes smooth. But then, you know, from a radio, from, you know, from a radio broadcast, you know, drug deal, they find out that this drug, the A to the Z is turning people into zombies. And I'll leave it at that because I don't want to <laughs> spoil it for anyone that wants it. It's actually out on YouTube. So you can go check it out. It's called Side Effects. It was so fun to watch it on a big screen and get to hear people's reactions because it was a really big crowd pleaser, which doesn't surprise me that you have now decided to make it a full length. Yes, we actually uh, we just finished the script and everything. We had it. We had our first table read a month ago and we were planning on raising our budget. But unfortunately, because of what's going on, coronavirus Unfortunately, I had to put that project on hold next year. Which is a shame, but it's definitely happening to so many other artists out there in the world. But I'm very hopeful that you will get this project out there because you are definitely one of those individuals who says you're going to do something and you actually execute it and do it. Well, I mean, no, and I appreciate that. That's always been my mindset because... I wanted to get something done. And my mindset is, well, if no one's going to help you, then do it yourself. 
And, you know, we've done a bunch of projects where, I mean, it was just literally you, me, and one other person on set, but we still were able to create something decent. But I have, my philosophy is this, when it comes to filming, especially independent filmmaking already, I'm giving chicken shit. It stinks, but I got to make it something good with what I'm given. And I feel like, I'll tell you, like for me, Gabby's revenge, it holds a special place in my heart because we had little to nothing to, to do that project. Oh yeah. I remember one day we were filming and it was just you and me in <laughs> my house. And we were like trying to figure out different ways to get the lighting right. And there's just so many aspects to film that people don't fully understand and realize. But when you have only two people working on it and you are the one holding the camera and I'm the one acting and we're still trying to figure all the aspects out. It is crazy what you can do when you really put your mind to something. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't easy for both of us because that was like a really emotional scene. And it, it, for it you, because you had to go to that dark place. Had we had more help, I, I think I, I felt, in my opinion, like I could have done better with what we had. If you kind of get my, if you kind of get what I'm saying. I do. And I think in this world of being an artist, I think there's always a point where you feel like you can do better. And that's why we grow as individuals and as artists is because you're always trying to one up that last project that you did. Yeah, man. And then I got to say, without Gabby's Revenge, I wouldn't be here right now. No, Gabby's Revenge. Like, no, no. And I, and I mean that because it was a very long project and it was a SAG project and it was just not easy. It, and, and, and mind you, with no budget, like, and you're basically wearing all the hat and a full-time job. I was, it was a stressful project, but I was glad that we finished it. And at the time when I released the entire project, I remember feeling like, man, it was, I did all this and this, that's it. Like I, I, I was really hard on myself. But then I remember when we submitted it to a couple of film festivals and we won an, and we won like two awards for the project. I was like, oh, okay, there is possibility that this could work, that this filming stuff can work. And that motivated me to continue and also step my game and in future projects. So Abby's Revenge to think that. And another project that I want to mention too, that you were a part of that. If it wasn't for this project, I wouldn't be here either. The, the Flying to Disney World and the Sam and Roxy projects. We need to talk about that. <laughs> they were really fun and quirky projects. Well, uh, why don't you uh, let the audience know what those projects were about and what the Flying to Disney World uh, project was actually in for. It was in for it was a, a challenge. It was I a remember, challenge. Yeah, That's the 305 challenge. Okay, so for those that for those that know about the 48-hour film festivals like where you know like certain filmmakers are assigned to make a short film in 48 hours so there was a competition in our local community and it was called the 305 challenge where you had 305 hours to create a short film so i you know i submitted to the project and i was giving a topic i was given a prop and i forgot what else but that was about it and no no and genre it was comedy i had to make a comedy so I was like, oh, okay. And it was a hot dog and it had to do with Disney World. So I, I had to like write something very simple. And I had asked, would you like to be a part of this? 
And you were like, yeah, sure. And then I remember, but I remember your reaction when I was telling you who you were playing as. You were like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> and, and so for those that don't know, for Flying to Disney World, she played Roxy, a scientist who was creating various props and equipments, but she always like messed them up. And she was living with a roommate named Sam. And the film was about Sam winning free tickets to Disney World the problem is he had to get to Orlando to, you know, go to, he had to go to Orlando and pick up the tickets in order to go to Disney world. But the problem was his car got destroyed by Roxy because she was trying to create a flying car. So she feels bad. And then all of a sudden she comes up with an idea to create a, a hot dog that can make Sam fly in the air. And it was like, and, and mind you, it was stupid, but I had so much fun doing that because that was the first time I did a comedy and a lot of those antics and even the Roxy character was inspired, inspired me to add some of those elements and side effects because there, there's a character by the name of crazy Linda. And she, I, I, you know, I'll say it like this, she's basically an older version of Roxy. She's a scientist, but she's basically the X rated version where Roxy is more PG like. But what I loved about that project was you really got into character. Like, tell them what you did for that role. Like, how, how, you, how you got prepared for that one. <laughs> so for, for that one, since she was supposed to be this really nerdy, weird scientist lab kind of individual, I, I wanted to fluff up my eyebrows. So I filled them in and I made them really bushy looking. I wore my retainer, which gives me a serious lisp, and I made my hair all like crazy sciencey, and I put it in two separate buns that were super messy. And then I had gloves and goggles, and just had a blast. And I like overused my lisp and spit all over Sam, <laughs> and it was just really fun to be so free in creating this wild character with you, John, because it's like, it was a freeing experience for me as an artist to get to work with the director and creator of this piece and, and really get to put my, my all into it of being this weird, crazy scientist. And it's such a joy as an artist to get to be a character actor and to do it on film. It was really fun. Yeah. And, and also so thank too, you as well. Yeah, no. And, and also too, like I felt that that project kind of like, it kind of, it kind of like helped our relationship because I, cause I remember for me, and this is just my opinion. Like I remember when we did the first episodes of Gabby's revenge, it was respectable, but I felt like, the trust wasn't there. And I, and I, and I hope I'm wrong for saying that, but I know when we did fly into Disney world after that, it was like, all right, let's, let's go ahead and have some fun. And from that point on, because we still had more episodes to do of Gabby's revenge. And then we did uh, a sequel to fly into Disney world called the adventures of Sam and Roxy. I remember from after that project, like our relationship as actor director had improved because now it's like, know each other and we both trust each other on an artist level and we knew that okay i know what you're thinking i like what you have in mind okay you know what i have in mind so boom we can create magic 
Most definitely. And I think also taking into account, I was playing an assassin in Gabby's Revenge to playing a crazy, fun-loving scientist in Flying to Disney World and the Adventures of Sam and Roxy. So it's also something that for an actor, when you're working with a director, sometimes the character you play also affects the way you're going to be behaving within on-set time. So not not intentional to to be more un i guess i came across as not trusting you that was not my intention i think it was just me being more into my character of being gabby at that moment and also trying to find my comfort level of working on film because it was my first major project i had ever done Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember I yeah. felt that way, and I was just like, no. And and I felt like maybe it was me because again, like I was still like brand new, and I was still learning, and I had not, you know, I had not tackled a project like this. So I was like, you know, I hope I'm making a good impression. I hope I'm not doing a poor job as a director because I'm very hard on myself. I think that's also just growing as an artist. You you have a lot of those self doubts, but they start fading away, especially when you start. Uh, creating a friendship with with individuals too so i think that's also what happened but it is it's pretty normal do you feel like it was you've gotten rid of that self-doubt within working on films oh yeah i i there um there was a project that i did not side effects but it was after gabby's revenge it was a, a zombie apocalyptic film called our final days together and it's base. It's kind of like a series because we did. I did like a part two and a part three. When I did part two, my confidence was all the way up. Now I'm more That's confident good. than ever, and I knew like, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing, and I know exactly what I'm working with, and I know that I can do something good with this. And after that project, every other project that I did after that, which was like three other films, including Side Effects, their quality improved. Compared, I'm not saying that Gabby Gabby's Revenge was bad, but like, you know, after that point, like, I was not cranking projects out every month because that was my mindset at the time. I had this mindset of like, oh, I'm going to do a movie every month, and it got to that point where I, I, or even around Gabby's Revenge, I was doing like two to three other short films while I was doing Gabby's Revenge because I was like a junkie for films. But looking back at it, I mean, it was a fun experience, but I wish I would have slowed down and did less is more and focus more on the quality than the quantity. I think that's insanely great advice to anyone out there who is working and is constantly saying yes to projects. It is okay to say no because it does affect your quality of performance when you are doing too many things, if your plate is way too full, it's going to affect your, your quality of performance. So Jonathan, what, what bit of advice would you give to a future filmmaker out there who is on that precipice of possibly giving up? My word of advice to any filmmaker out there is take your time. Don't, don't rush it. Don't assume that I have to do this. Otherwise it's the end of the world and I'm going to die. I'm going to fail. No, take your sweet ass time with it because I guarantee you, you could do a hundred films and nobody will remember them. But if you do that one film that will stand the test of time, you're Gucci, you're golden. 
Like you're, you're set. Like there's no need to rush. Also, another advice that I give any filmmaker out there, learn more than just one skill. Don't just think, oh, I'm a director and that's it. No, learn how to write, learn how to edit, learn sound design, learn acting. And I, and I encourage all directors to do this. Learn acting, study acting, take a class. Yes, it's not your forte, but if you really want to learn how to get good performances out of actors, I highly recommend you take an acting class because I've seen directors who are so focused on the technical aspect, but don't know how to communicate with their actors. And that's why at times when I see short films or independent films, the acting comes across as a bit stiff or awkward. And I don't always blame it on the actors. I usually blame it on the director because I've seen bad actors give great performances with good directors. That's my opinion. Wow. I, I agree with that opinion. And Jonathan, I think those two pieces of advice were fantastic because this is why the F I am an artist, the stories of those who took the road less traveled and your story was so inspiring and filmmaking is, it's not an easy road at all, especially with how you explained how sometimes you have to wear more than one hat and you only have two arms. You're not an octopus. It's hard to do it all within the filmmaking game. But to not give up and take your time are two pieces of advice that I think everyone should take with them. And thank you for sharing your story today with us. No, absolutely. And thank you for inviting me. This was fun, man. I, um, I, I'll tell you this. I'm a big fan of, of your podcast. I hope you continue. Why the fuck did I become an artist? And I hope that you find more people on your journey to, you know, that you can interview and you can learn a lot and that your listeners can learn from as well, because I think we need more podcasts like this. I think we need more podcasts of, of, of artists that are just on the grind and you hear from their point of view on what they did to continue, continuing on with the journey. So I'm all for this, man. And, you know, and again, also I thank you for being a friend and I thank you for helping me out. You know, all those times when I, when I was doing these projects and I hope and pray you know, especially when I do side effects, like you could be a part of it. I would love to. Hopefully once this whole quarantine situation is done and over, I could take many trips back home to Florida and visit family and see you and get to work on future projects. It would be fantastic. So thank you again. And thank you for all your lovely words. I honestly take that to heart and am so grateful for that because I did create this to spread hope and inspiration to others to really get people to have a fire under their belly when it comes to being an artist because this is not an easy road but it is so fulfilling when you do what you love and you do what you love every single day and it's very inspiring and I hope it inspires others. So this has been an incredible episode of Why the F I Am an Artist. Jonathan Vargas, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, Jonathan, I will talk to you soon. Have a great week. All the listeners out there, have a fantastic week and stay safe during this quarantine time. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>